America. We are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come, find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Big Ticket, Variety and iHeart's new film podcast. I'm your host, Mark Malkin. Today, we've got Jared Leto. He's talking about his upcoming Spider-Man villain movie, Morbius. And I also asked Jared if he ever wants to play the Joker again. And later, Kevin Costner. The Oscar winner is revealing to me that he's getting ready to direct again. It's all coming up today on The Big Ticket. Stay tuned. Hey, everybody. This is Jake Brennan, host of Disgraceland and the 27 Club. I want to talk to you about another podcast that I produce called Blood on the Tracks, the Phil Spector story. Blood on the Tracks, the Phil Spector story is a 10-episode look at the madness and genius of record producer Phil Spector. Phil Spector and the music he created shifted and shaped American culture. But behind his famous wall of sound, there was a darkness, violence, and an intense inferiority complex that those who knew him and worked with him were all too familiar with and that led to the senseless murder of actress Lana Clarkson. With Phil's recent death in the news, Blood on the Tracks has become all the more relevant. Just like Phil Spector, this podcast sounds like nothing you've heard before because you can't push the needle into the red without leaving a little blood on the tracks. Listen to Blood on the Tracks, the Phil Spector story on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back. This is The Big Ticket. I'm your host, Mark Malkin. Right now, Jared Leto. I sat down with Jared at the Tribeca Film Festival where he was premiering A Day in the Life of America, a new documentary he directed. Hello, Mr. Jared Leto. How you doing, man? Good. How are you? I'm pretty good. Just came in from uh, London. Yeah? What were you doing in London? Filming. Yeah? Yeah. What movie would that be? It's called Morbius. (laughs) What could you tell us? Uh... (laughs) Not a lot. <laughs> I, I thought know. about it, but then I'm, no. You always wanted to play a vampire, didn't you? I've always loved uh, vampires. Yeah. When I when I was a kid, I remember being at my grandmother's house in Louisiana, and uh, you know the the original, the OG, would come on, mm-hmm. and just being pretty transfixed, as so many of us were when right. we saw that. Yeah, I've always I was, and then the Anne Rice era. Mm-hmm. was big for my brother and I. We would pass those books around uh, to each other. And, and then did you get into Twilight? You know, I didn't. <laughs> I was just too damn old. I was too old, too jaded, too over uh, prepubescent uh, ideas of romance. But no, it was, uh, I know, really big. Uh, Twilight and then, you know, there's been there have been others. But yeah. I always loved uh, Gary Oldman's performance. Yeah. of course. It would be a great performance. Great, that was a real wonderful film. I thought, Coppola. Um, 
Hunger. Mm-hmm. Great movie. For that's that's yeah. a less widely seen yes. film, but a beautiful, beautiful movie. I mean, it was just beautifully shot. And of course, movies like Thirst, a Korean uh, mm-hmm. vampire film, really worth checking out. So let's talk Tribeca Film Festival. Yes, sir. What are you doing here? Um, we're 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 finishing a documentary. You know, yeah. festivals are great. Um, because they're really just deadlines for filmmakers mm-hmm. uh, in in some ways. Obviously, it's a lot more than that. It's a celebration of, of cinema, culture, um, and a place to share what you're passionate about with people that are really passionate about filmmaking and, and films in general. But, uh, yeah, we, 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 we made this crazy portrait of uh, the United States and what I think is a really important time to take a look at ourselves a day in the life of america yeah one day july 4th yeah how did you do this what was it like almost a hundred crews around the country yeah yeah first of all who financed this uh (laughs) it was it was i did i mean it wasn't there wasn't the, the 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 craziest thing in the world to do because you know the great thing about the times that we're living in it's cheaper and easier than ever before to make films especially documentary film uh and that's great uh there 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 are so many stories worth exploring and um so it was it was pretty down and dirty run and gun but uh you know i was super passionate about the idea and, and i put together this really um hard-working group of people and we just went for it so explain what it is is it slices of life just it's, throughout the country it right? really is we, we 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 on a single day july 4th we sent 92 crews all over the country uh had people in every single state puerto rico and dc and we uh turned the camera on ourselves and mm. we plotted and planned for weeks and weeks uh we knew that we there were certain things we wanted to capture and then there were certain things that we hoped to capture, capture, and other things that we didn't know we would capture that we did, and we were blown away by. Um, but you see the beauty of this country. You see the contradiction. You see the pain, the hope, um, the hope, a lot of hope, and it's mm-hmm. incredible. And in, in a time where it's so easy, probably for people to feel a bit hopeless, mm-hmm. um, um, that there's so much. Uh, Optimism, but an ugly side of America too. Oh they, yeah, you have the KKK in there. Yeah, we have the KKK. We have the the warts and all. I mean, I I wanted to make an apolitical piece, and I really that was a mandate um, that we all had, uh, all of the the camera crews and the producers to take a good look at ourselves. I th- I don't think it was important not to take a side. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of hard not to. Uh, I think impossible to be completely objective, but we, we really didn't want to take the side. We wanted to hold up uh, the camera mm-hmm. and uh, tell the story who who we are. Uh, what do you hope the movie does? You know, I, I think I hope it 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 s- continues a conversation that's mm-hmm. being had. As you can see, everybody in the film—it's not the first time they've thought or talked about these things. I right. don't think you know. Whether it's the opiate crisis or equality or diversity, uh, whether it's Trump or ideas of America and the American dream, 
Um, these are things that people are talking about. And for me, I, I really wanted it to be a time capsule that, you know, if you if you buried it and dug it up 100 years from now, you go, but you, you know exactly where, uh, what time it was and um, what was happening in the world. What's the biggest thing you learned? Well, uh, that a lot happens uh, in a day. You know, we're all so consumed with our our lives, you know, our busy lives and you know, we're glued to our phones and to the news and we know that a lot happens. But when I watch the film and when we're working on it, I think a really, I always lose sight of the fact that it was shot in a single day. Hmm. You know, because there's so much that happens. There's so much, I mean, just the physical uh, diversity in this country and the beauty of uh, the United States is in, just mind-blowing. Is this a film you'd want to screen at the White House for the president? I mean, I think it, the, that would be an interesting experiment. You know, I, I think I would love everyone to see it. I mean, Donald Trump is uh, president. Donald Trump is he's in the movie. Uh, so, yeah, it'd be it'd be I think. Um, be great if you watched it. You said that people have hope. I mean, these are the people mm -hmm. that he's representing, right. right? You know, so I think that, you know, watching it would probably, you know, just be a, a one more avenue to understand and continue to, to you know, uh, hear the voices that are, uh, that he represents. You said that um, there's a lot of hope. Yeah. Are you hopeful for the country? Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm a hopeful pessimist, I guess. <laughs> Is that the glass half full or half empty? I don't know, or pessimistic, <laughs> optimist. Um, you know, I, I think ultimately we'll get there, but man, we, we're going to cause a lot of damage. It doesn't seem like we all, none of us really change until we have to. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, it takes a significant amount of, of drama and trauma. Um, and and uh, we like to beat ourselves up quite a bit, I suppose. But it is a fascinating time, mm. and the film explores that fascinating time. And you know, we have the birth of children. We have uh, people sharing their last words. Uh, we have incredibly surprising stories. Uh, we go from some of the most violent neighborhoods in the country to some of the most affluent. Mm. Uh, you know, I, I, on the 4th, when the sun set, I was in a helicopter above Los Angeles filming the fireworks. And we had another camera crew that uh, was in New York flying around the Statue of Liberty and just filming this uh, this this massive crescendo that happens right. in the film when the, 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 the country's celebrating. Because I don't know if I said it all takes place on the 4th of July. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was a really, really, we had a lot of fun making it. It was really exciting. And usually documentaries, they're not often shot in a day or <laughs> no. an hour, you know. So that that's that was kind of fun because usually, you know, you're, you're shooting and shooting and shooting. Uh, we were buried in footage afterwards. Yeah, how much footage, how many hours of footage I mean, I, can, I can't even tell you. I can't even tell you. I mean, it's it, limitless. We mm -hmm. we also had ten thousand submissions from people all over the country wow. and the world. So I, I had originally asked for people to comment 
and tell us who they thought we were. Because I was mm-hmm. like, you have to ask your neighbors right. too if you want to get an accurate, accurate portrait. But we ended up using only the footage that our camera crews shot for the most part. There were a couple of news real uh, shots or some news footage and um, so some of the uh, uh, crowdsourced footage. But for the most part, that's what we shot. Is a day in the life of the world next or a day in the life of another city? I mean, I'd love to do a day in the life of China, mm. day in the life of Russia, day in the life of, you know, I think it's fascinating. Yeah, India, my God, that would be incredible. Was there a group of people or someone you really wanted for this that you didn't get? Uh, there, yeah, there was actually it's quite a funny story. Is was, We found this amazing uh, couple that agreed to let us film the birth of their child and they mm-hmm. were going to do an at-home natural birth mm-hmm. which is you know very uh brave in and of itself and so so we filmed and you know uh, luckily enough it, it the, the the baby it w- was coming on the, the day that we shot right that was <laughs> that was the first big hurdle uh and we're like yes and i was on the phone like an expectant father all day <laughs> How are we doing? She dilated, you know, and uh, is it gonna happen before breathe, midnight? Breathe. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, and 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 we kept checking in. It was like, oh my god, we're getting this amazing footage. She's in the bathtub screaming in agony and uh, and joy. Uh, and she didn't have the baby until the tw- until the uh, the fifth. Mm. So spoiler alert but what we did is we roll the credits and then we show the baby being born uh but what did they name the kid i forgot jared i thought it should have been america you know july yeah independence the fourth documentary america the fourth is good um but yeah, that was kind of fun, and and, and there are some funny Actually, stuff as well. Actually, my niece was born on the Fourth of July this oh, year. Really? I just remember it. Oh, but she's in Mexico, so it wasn't well, that yeah, special. Yeah, for yeah, her. yeah. But, um, but uh, it, it, what 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 surprised me as well how controversial some of the stuff that's in the film is, and mm-hmm. it is, uh, you know, that's us, right? You know, so Morbius. Yeah, I, I want to talk a little bit more about the superhero world. Sure, Avengers this weekend is supposed to make. Three hundred million dollars domestic. That's it. <laughs> Come How on! Crazy. I thought I thought it was going to be a billion, maybe worldwide. How right? crazy is that? <clears throat> well, people love the movie. Yeah, you know, and they're good, great films. How much did you love playing the Joker? I mean, I loved you in that role. I loved it. I mean, I love these films uh, because they get people excited about going to the movies again. Yeah. Um, uh, or just period. I don't know about again, but a period. So I think that's that's a miracle. Mm-hmm. I mean, five, ten years ago, I don't know if we thought that there would be people this excited uh, about, you know, going to the movies this weekend. Right. Uh, so I think that's a celebration, um, and they've created a you know mythology uh, that people love, and the actors are phenomenal and. I mean, I, I, I'm all in. I love it. I think it's a lot. It's a blast. And I think, you know, Hollywood's been making uh, big, fun, epic films since, you know, the b- yeah. very beginning. This isn't something uh, that's like, you know, I heard someone talking about, like, that there, if there's a downside to this. I, I, I think What's it's the all, downside? I think it's fun and the movies are good. And what I think is great to see is that 
usually when you make film after film after film, the quality, you know, we, we goes down. But right. it's kind of nice to see that it can, uh, you know, they can challenge audiences with longer films, right. more uh, involved plots, deeper character exploration. I think all of that's incredible. So we're going to see you in Birds of Prey or what? I don't think so. But you have to ask them. The internet um, says maybe you are. Oh, really? <laughs> well, we'll see. Uh, would you want to play the Joker again? I would. Uh, I would definitely play the Joker again. Yeah, I mean, it all depends on the script and the circumstances, as it always does for right. all of these. Um, but you know, right now we're so we're literally shooting. We flew over here for a day, so wow. we're shooting in full Morbius mode. Uh, and it's been a lot of fun, surprisingly. Why do you say surprisingly? Well, a lot of these films can be really difficult. Um, and uh, this film specifically has had some major challenges um, with the role and the things like that. But we've, we've had a lot of fun doing it. And um, yeah, it's, it's been an adventure. Have you watched the Joaquin Joker trailer? No, oh. I haven't seen it. No, but you have a green tie in celebration of all things Joker. I, honestly, that's why I did it. <laughs> and I knew you'd so pick up all, on it. Uh, I knew you'd pick up on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, why hasn't the DC world hit as much as the Disney Marvel world? Oh, I think it has. Yeah. I just asked Jason Momoa. <laughs> that's true. I mean, I think Wonder Woman was one of the more exciting things ever to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it was phenomenal. And it was a beautiful performance. And I think DC World's been pretty great, you know, from for a long time. Mm-hmm. You can't win every single time. No. Uh, but no, I think they're doing just fine. And I know people loved Shazam. I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen it yet either. Yeah. But I, I mean, I, people really loved that film. And, you know, I mean, sometimes, you you know, you, you who's perfect? I'm not. That's You're, for sure. I found your Joker pretty perfect. You know I, I was I appreciate Joker. It. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. And, uh, I mean, I loved doing it. And, you know, we'll see what happens in the future. But I think DC's, uh, I think they're doing okay, man. They'll be okay. I, I mean, I'm not too worried about that. No. <laughs> no. Okay, a couple of fun questions. When was the last time you cried at the movies? Um, 1978. <laughs> that Ricky Schroeder movie. The Champ? Yeah, The Champ. That's not the last time you cried. I don't believe that. I think it may have been. I had my tear ducts removed. <laughs> uh, or at least it feels like it. Um, no, you know what? I get teary-eyed on a plane more often than I do not... I don't know why that is. Just flying or watching a movie on a plane? No, just flying. <laughs> no, I, I, uh, no, watching a film on a plane. It could be like, that was Dumb and Dumber 2. And I'm like, you know, I have a tear <laughs> rolling down my face. Uh, yeah, there's got to be some science to that. I'm not sure what it is. And what's the one movie you could watch over and over again and it just never gets old? Um, God, like 500 movies just came to mind. <laughs> I mean, I really love the films of the 70s and, and early 80s, you know, that, that era of just kind of brutalist, mm-hmm. independent American film, you know, the Scorsese, Scorsese's and Coppola's and, 
you know, I love Heaven's Gate, which is a movie that a lot of people probably haven't seen. Mm-hmm. Um, Why do you love that? Well, it's funny because I, I actually because I didn't see it when I was very young, but for me, like Apocalypse Now and those kind of movies were made such a huge impact on me. But Heaven's Gate, I didn't see in that time that I saw all those other movies because uh, it was a, it was really a big um, disaster when it came out. It was a, considered a bomb, right. and I think. Uh, a big bomb. A big bomb. But I and I was, you know, I watched it. And I'm like, okay, this is this is the one that was supposed to be this disaster. But I, I found it to be incredibly beautiful. Um, so I love all those films. You know, I think there's so much to learn from those movies. Awesome. Thank you, sir. Yeah, thanks. This man. was great. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate thank it. You. And that was Jared Leto. Coming up after a short break, we've got Kevin Costner talking about his Netflix movie, The Highwayman. Stay tuned. What do explorers, an army officer, and a Minnesota insurance salesman have in common? They all wanted to be the first to reach the North Pole, but only one of them made it. I'm Kat Long, science editor at Mental Floss and host of the new podcast, The Quest for the North Pole, which dives into the centuries-long race to explore the Arctic, find the Northwest Passage, and conquer the top of the world. With a cast of daring adventurers and some pretty determined amateurs, The Race to the Pole reveals the human desire to solve mysteries of geography and the soul. We'll look at the important Arctic expeditions that filled the blank spaces on the map and recognize how indigenous people made them successful. We'll examine what pushed explorers to venture ever farther into the unknown and uncharted, and how the climate crisis is changing the Arctic today. Listen to The Quest for the North Pole every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. This is The Big Ticket. I'm your host, Mark Malkin. And now we've got Kevin Costner. I sat down with the Oscar winner at South by Southwest in March, the morning after the premiere of The Highwayman. He stars in the Netflix movie as Frank Hamer, the legendary Texas Ranger who led the hunt for and the eventual fatal capture of Bonnie and Clyde. What did you know about Frank? I mean, we know the Arthur Penn movie. Um, what I learned last night when John Lee Hancock said that his widow sued Warner Brothers. Yeah. That uh, was amazing to me. Well, today. if you know a lot about it, he's like, like, you know, I mean, he was in two shootouts with his wife. Right. Where they killed people. Yeah. She but, had a gun. He had a gun. Hamer. <laughs> right? One was right in front of the courthouse, and they were having a trial, and they, the jury, everybody ran to the windows, and after the shootout, the judge declared it Self-defense, <laughs> Hamer and his wife. Right. And another time, you know, actually we had a scene that got cut out where Hamer and his wife are in another shootout and she shoots this guy, her former husband or somebody, and her brother also shoots him. And she, they ruled that it wasn't her bullet to kill him. <laughs> I, you know, and we end the scene with, how does that work? And just say, Texas. <laughs> Right. Right. So what was the question exactly? I want to um, make sure. <laughs> I want to make um, sure. That, you know, that she sued Warner Brothers after the author. Yeah, she did. Like, yeah. Because her husband stood in front of mobs and keep them from hanging people of color. Right. Uh, and, and other incredible things and going, how could you possibly get this wrong? How could you possibly confuse my husband for anything other than a hero? Right. Shame on you for combining him with another character to serve your movie. 
And that family's living. I got a letter from one of the great grandchildren this morning, wow. feeling like that you know that they thought they were going to go see a story about their great great grandfather and felt like they were watching him. Wow. They had like a relationship with. You know, it's really in the pain of that. And they weren't murdered. You know, Frank wasn't murdered like other people were murdered. But they murdered his reputation. Made me think, be more conscious as a filmmaker. I think I said that last night on stage. But what responsibility did you feel? Well, I feel that obviously I've always felt like you want to try to get it right when you're dealing with a real person. But in this particular instance, I I have uh, watched movies of, you know, combined characters sometimes, and there's economic reasons, like I said. It's yeah. like, geez, instead of two airplane tickets or three, you know, <laughs> you're always trying to make your money stretch. Why right. couldn't this guy just say everything? And you make a decision about that. But when you're dealing with real people, you see the consequences. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm sure Penn, if that lawyer took him down memory lane about who... Um, Frank, let me tell you who Frank Hamer is versus who you portrayed him to be. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that Penn was affected. If you could ask Frank a question today, what would it be? Um, Well, God, God, you know, know, my movies are long and so would my conversation be. (laughs) So a single question, uh, I'd have to think a lot about about that. Um, uh, You know... um, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't even know where to start with that single right. question. Um, I'm, you know, I'm interested in his life. You know, there's some people are cut out for things. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't even know it. Right. Um, and they just are built that way. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and it's just um, he was one of those unique guys, like a Wyatt Earp. That it's like, wow, they're all they're all in these same fights, and they, you know, it's like. Why do they survive and other people don't? Measure of luck, measure of spontaneity. How many bullets did he have in him? What's that? How many bullets did he have in him? Yeah, it was uh, <laughs> not counting buckshot, about right. 16. Jeez. You know, and um, so, yeah, you. they're not, you know, for me to pretend that's who I am, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not him. But I could portray him. And what's crazy about, I mean, we know the story. We know how the story ends. But even so, in the scene, in like that dust field, and they sort of just disappear like ghosts. Right. I'm like, are they not going to get them? Like, there's, right. a, there's a point that, where that, you That think, dust field was a little bit of a metaphor, yeah. if you will. You know, not completely realistic, mm-hmm. but a metaphor that you could chase them and chase them and chase them. And um, Clyde was really was not uncommon for him to drive a thousand miles at a stretch. Wow. I mean, hitting gas stations, robbing them as they go, but it was not uncommon. They were in back roads. And so, um, so it was a metaphor really, mm-hmm. you know, you know, you know, they asked themselves that question, are we too old for this? Because he drove 400 miles right. and had breakfast. <laughs> and that may have been a thing they used to be, you know, do, right. you know, and, um, I think that question, Manny questions himself, mm-hmm. and I think it just fuels Frank more. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, 
Kevin Talks Politics and why he thinks Michelle Obama could run for president. I'm Robert Evans, host of Behind the Bastards, and it could happen here. And boy, it does seem to be happening here. I'm going to guess most of the people listening to this are deeply concerned with what they saw happen in Washington, D.C. on January 6th. And I'm here to tell you it was a fascist insurrection, an attempt by fascists to take over our democracy. And it didn't happen in a historical vacuum. There have been numerous attempts, many of them successful, by fascist movements to take over democracies over the last century. In order to protect yourself, in order to protect your family and your very freedom, you need to understand this history and the history of the different anti-fascist movements that have fought, sometimes successfully, often unsuccessfully, to stop the same things from happening in their own countries. The knowledge of this history is important, and it's maybe the only thing that can save us. So... If you are as concerned as I am, listen to Behind the Insurrections on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Do you ever wish you could get more from your podcast? Well, you can with BuzzFeed Daily, hosted by me, Casey Rackham. And me, Zach Safford. On our show, we've got more good news and more pop culture. More memes and more celebrity tea. More of everything that's blowing up your timeline and trending on the internet. Every weekday evening, we're giving you more of what you need to enjoy your day. Because what's life if it isn't to be enjoyed? Listen to BuzzFeed Daily on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back with more Kevin Costner. How has Hollywood changed? It's going to be 30 years Dances with Wolves next year. Since what? With Dances with Wolves next year, 30 years. Really? No. It feels like it's going to be <laughs> 30 years for Field of Dreams and 30 years for Bull Durham. Well, it's right. It's, you know, it's a those series years. of movies really, um, you know, it, it just shows you that, you know, movies can have that generational watch. Mm-hmm. They can. But on the surface, Field of Dreams, really? On the surface, Dances with Wolves. Yeah, they called it Kevin's Gate. You know, on the you know on, on you know Bull Durham, a little movie about minor league baseball. But it's like men and women. Their stories are men and women, and mm-hmm. and, and dreams. They're, they're all three kind of very different. But there's something you know when when writers get it right. And that's I've always pinned my my career on writing. You know, I I feel it just. It props you up. I mean, mm-hmm. if you feel like it's you just getting by in your natural charm, you're wrong because mm-hmm. you can't sustain it. It's mm-hmm. it's got to be the movie. It's got to be the literature. Mm-hmm. What about directing? I know I'm gonna. What's going on? I'm gonna direct. <laughs> yeah. What are you gonna direct? It's like Tell us. Ve- it's like eating vegetables <laughs> for me. Is it really? Why? I always think somebody else could do it better. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm gonna do it. I'm going to try to play the second half of my career doing it. Mm. Uh, I've got a Western I want to do and about five other movies that are, that are written. Why is it Why is it so tough for you? Why is it like eating vegetables? Why is it what? Why is it like eating vegetables? No, I, I, I maybe made a cute joke. <laughs> but it's like I do, you know, I have, you know, the feeling that, you know, other people know the camera better and things like that. I, I just, I just really am when I direct, I'm protective of the story. Mm-hmm. So I may not bring all the the tricks of the thing, but I won't miss the moment. Mm. So when you're going to direct these next projects, are you going to star in them also? I'll act in a few of them because it's just, you know, that's how I found the material, you know, or responded to it. Um, 
supporting part, sometimes lead, whatever. Yeah. And I know we talked about this last night. I mean, there are more opportunities because there's just so many more platforms now. You could there do are. Movie, you could do streaming. But I'm stubborn about <laughs> where it goes and, and um, what the economics mean for myself and my family and, and for my partners. I'm real stubborn. You know, if it's just to work and create, you know, wealth for other people, you know, I've done that. Mm-hmm. And I'm... Um, and I just, you know, these projects I own, and I just, I'm not going to do them for free, mm-hmm. you know. And and I, because I understand that movies can still be playing thirty years from now, right? Which they are. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and you look at a movie like The Highwayman, and it has a theatrical release, but then it's on streaming pretty quickly. Yeah. Were you surprised by that? Or did you no, know that going I, in because it's I Netflix? Felt, I felt that that was, you know, going to happen. Absolutely was going to happen. I I think that, you know, um, John certainly made this film because he understood where it was going to go. But I think, you know, he yearned for it to be on the big screen. And, and I think that Netflix helped him with that idea and supported it to the, to the um, length that they could based on their own business model. Mm-hmm. What movies have you watched lately that you've been impressed by? Oh. <laughs> God. I don't watch a lot of movies. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I watch Solo, you know. Mm-hmm. Pretty amazing. Yeah, I mean, that's that, just... was, uh, that, was, that was interesting. You know, I, I know I've, you know, I, I can't think. I'm a, I'm a fog. Mm-hmm. Honestly, mm-hmm. with the, everything that's going on, it's a bit of a fog. Right. Right. Back in, um, I just wanted to turn a little bit to politics. Oh, I liked, oh. Um, I liked Vice. I thought that Vice. I mean, Christian Bale. Like, you yeah. literally just forgot it was him. Yeah. You just. Oh, he was great. And that director, um, really, really nice. And um, that was really, really well done. You mentioned Vice. I, I thought, I thought um, Rockwell was great. Um, and um, Corral, and I, I just, I just thought it was really good. And I was just about to ask you about politics, and you brought up Vice. Um, in two thousand eight, you uh, campaigned for Barack Obama. Yeah. What do you think is going to happen in twenty twenty? Well, Barack can't run. Right. <laughs> Michelle can. It's like when you say, "What do you think? What do you know for sure?" That's what I know for sure. Michelle could. Uh, Michelle is uh, incredibly bright and articulate. And, um, and um, you know, it's possessed of, you know, really, I think, good judgment and, and, and experienced a lot as a result of her husband and uh, brings that, you know, so why couldn't she be? I mean, you know, the Constitution provides it. You know, yep. American citizen <laughs> can do it. And so, you know, um, I doubt we'll see that. You're the one who brought her name up. But, 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 I, but I, I tell you, she would have, you know, a, a level of interest for me. What do you, where do you see the country? One of the things I, I read, you, you said while you were campaigning for Barack Obama was that your generation didn't change the world. And it was the next generation that, you know, it was their responsibility to vote. Young right. people to vote and change right. the world. Has the world changed? No. No, I, I think... Uh, I think we're going to look at ourselves and wonder what in the world we were thinking about. Um, you know, we we have uh, 
put our own careers, politically speaking, we've, we've convinced our politicians and convinced ourselves that their being in office is, is, or their experience is so important that they can, they can um, somehow uh, dismiss what a level of responsibility that they have mm -hmm. right at the moment to do the right thing. Um, you know, I think I think eighty percent, ninety percent of America's problems um, are common sense solves that don't don't um, lie within one party or not. I think there's ten percent, fifteen percent of things that are really hard, and they, by definition, they deserve the word problem. They're problem. How do we do this? Mm. Um, but uh, we never solve a problem if we ex if we uh, exaggerate or inflate we it, it has to be you have to look at a problem straightforward and you can't you can't shade it mm. you can't do anything because you can't the thing that's in short of supply is good information and that's what we all need to make great decisions so um, you know the political landscape is unrecognizable to me and shame on us for being in that spot and uh, that could change overnight, uh, not because of a vote, just because people say, you know, I want to try to be about more than mm. myself. And do you think that would happen? And that's, that's the definition of public service. Right. Do you think that'll happen? No. Yeah. No. And, um, you know, we have a, this is the greatest experiment in, um, and humankind, America, this great idea about America, and it still exists. It's still here, and it's people still want to come here. Um, but we're not first in hardly anything that matters. And we have an inflated idea about, uh, you know, how we are, I think. Mm -hmm. We exaggerate about what we are. We are everything that's great. And we are everything that's human. And mm -hmm. our humanness is really, uh, our, our level of selfishness is overtaking our chance to be great. Hmm. Do you look at any politicians and say, that's the person who could fix it? No. I asked Castro that one time. Really? I've, yeah, I was, pretty go ahead. I was pretty close to him one time. Yeah. And we were, we were sh talking and, and we were by ourselves. And I said, you know, I said, is there any politician world leader when you look back on your career that you didn't like at the moment mm. but as you get distance now that you look back and you go they were good they were straight mm -hmm. with me and he said no wow. no one wow now it you know it was interesting that was like he wasn't impressed with anyone <laughs> right. no no one right does that i mean I have to say, do you... I thought he would say somebody that right. he might have been fond of, like, you know, that I... Now with distance. Right. No, no one. Who do you look at from distance who maybe you didn't think was so great then and now? You know what? That was a pretty good guy. Pretty good woman up there. Oh, I don't, you know... You know, I don't, I don't take a deep dive on politics. Uh, but, you know... Um, you know... Uh, I, you know, I thought George Bush Sr. was a was a really good man, mm -hmm. a really good man, um, and uh, you know, in a 
you know, from being knocked out of his plane in World War II to, you know, there was just a goodness about him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, he stopped everything that he was doing to allow my older brother who served in Vietnam to come into the White House and look around. It's just, there was a goodness. He understood um, the opportunities that he could afford other people, mm. you know. Um, but, you know, he's not the only one, you know. Um, you know, I miss the flavor of John Kennedy speaking. I think Barack um, uh, was able to emulate that in a lot of wonderful ways. Um, I'm anxious to, uh, I'm anxious for conservative ideas to emerge and I'm anxious for liberal ideas to meld with that mm. because you know there's a conservative approach about how to do things but there's a reality with 300 million people that people fall through the cracks mm-hmm. and they are important and they have to be looked out for and not everybody in the world can pull themselves up by the bootstraps has anyone ever approached you to run for office I've had people say silly things like that. <laughs> <laughs> so my next question, have you ever considered it? <laughs> I, just, I would not do it. Why not? I just wouldn't do it. Kevin, on that note, thank you so much. You're welcome. And that was Kevin Costner. Thanks so much for listening. Coming up next week, Halle Berry talking about that crazy stunt work in John Wick 3 and her directorial debut. She's actually directing a movie about female MMA fighting. It's all next week on The Big Ticket.